Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masech this Shabbos, starting the 23rd Perak, Perak Chav Gimel, Mishnah Aleph, and Mishnah Beis. And this Mishnah we're opening with a discussion about a concern that one may come to write. And therefore, one's not allowed to take a loan on Shabbos because loaning something will may lead someone to write down how much was loaned. Now you're thinking, well, you're not allowed to loan money on Shabbos. Money is muk, so what's going on here? So we're not actually talking about money. We're talking we're talking about other items. A person realizes they're out of pitchers of wine or oil, so they go to their friend. They say, "I need. A, can I borrow from you?" So they're allowed to do so. As long as it does not say lend them to me. He could say, can I borrow them? But he can't say lend them because lend them connotes a more of a formal loan. And that may, a person may come to write down, oh, he, he borrowed, he lent from me. I lent to him um, 400 barrels or $400 worth of barrels uh, of wine. And therefore, in order to prevent someone from inadvertently forgetting the Shabbos and writing down how much he lent out. So therefore, we can only use the word borrow, which could be done freely and not the word lent. Similarly, a woman can borrow a loaf from her friend as long as she doesn't say, Haviani, lend to me. She has to say, can I borrow from you? Now, the Chiddush here with the woman is that normally it comes to loaves of bread or more of household items like eggs and flour and things you typically need when you're baking in your kitchen that are cheaper. So we don't normally write down how much was borrowed. Normally, you go to your neighbor, you knock on the door, you say, can I borrow? A cup of flour. No one writes it down, probably because we don't really care that much if we'd ever get it back. And whereas in the first case of the Mishnah, borrowing a, a pitcher of wine or a pitcher of oil, that's way more expensive, and there's, there is a chance someone may write it down if it's a, a real loan. So the Mishnah is telling us that even though in the, in the latter case, where it's just a household uh, kitchen item, like a loaf of bread, where one, one will probably not come to write it down, still we can't use the language of, of Halviani, of lend to me. We, still, we can only say, uh, can I borrow? What if the lender doesn't trust him? What if you go to your, your neighbor comes to you and says, can I borrow or whatever it may be? And you're like, mm, you know, you come to me every other week and I know I'm probably never going to get it back. So I can actually, in fact, say to him, give me a collateral. Even though that sounds very transactional and very much like a business activity, I can still say, give me a, give me a collateral, leave your code over here. And then once Shabbos is over, we can make a, uh, a cheshbon, we can try to figure out exactly how much you borrowed from me so that we can know how much you have to return eventually. You can't do that on Shabbos because that's uh, it's talking about Mechachem Emkar, buying and selling, but you can at least say, leave your collateral with me. Similarly, a very similar case, a person is in uh, is in Yerushalayim, an Erev Pesach at Shabbos, and they don't have enough money to buy their car in Pesach. They can go to whoever is selling the animals and say, I'm going to leave you my coat. I'm going to take an animal. And I'll come back to you on uh, on Moed and I'll figure out exactly how much I uh, owe you for the sheep. And you'll give me back my, my, my collater- the collateral of my coat. Okay, Mishnah number base. Interesting, Mishnah is discussing, and this is actually a fascinating halacha, one that people don't necessarily are aware of, or not always aware of, and that is when you invite someone over, you have to be careful not to write down how many people you're having, and this might even extend to not allowed to write down your menu options. Rabbi Ayer Leibowitz in his newest Sefer on Shabbos has a long essay on this, and the reason for that is you might come to write. If you think about it, if you, uh, if you start taking off your list, okay, this person arrived, this person didn't arrive, I cooked this, I need to finish cooking that, etc. So this is a very fascinating Allah, which we're not going to get into now, and 
Our Mishnah says, A person can count how many guests he has and his delicacies from memory. Meaning, okay, fine, I know I have, I'm supposed to serve six things to seven different people. Okay, the cabbage is on the table, the chalons on the table, the filter fish is on the table, etc. You can't, you can't, you can't read it off a of paper because you might come to erase items from the list. So you can imagine, what if the paper is laminated? The Post can talk about that. You're not going to come to erase. What if it's high up? What if someone else is holding it? What if someone else reads it to you to remind you, etc.? These are all things that get discussed within that within that halacha. Okay, part two of the mission is as follows: when you when there are a lot of different people eating from one kitchen and they weren't necessarily related, so how do you determine who gets what? As we all know, when that pizza pie comes out, we all eye the biggest slice and we all want the biggest slice. So how do we actually determine who gets it? Rather than relying on who's fastest, what we rely on is you make a lot, you make a a, a, a lottery. Now the issue with a lottery is that. You're showing you really care about how much is being given, which may come come to cause you to start using weights and measures to really ensure everyone has the same amount. One of my favorite stories is I once walked into someone's house and they had two girls. One was seven and the younger sister was five. And the mother was using a male scale to figure out how many fru- fruity pebbles each one had so they had the exact same amount. That's one way to avoid tantrums. Either way. It's not just then. It's in times of the Mishnah. The, you may come to use weights and measures and scales, and that would be a provision. You're not allowed to do that in Shabbos. Up to Mecca, Chomem, you might come to write, etc. Therefore, one is not allowed to make a lottery on Shabbos to determine who gets what. That is except for unless you are sitting with all your children and members of your household, because then you're just trying to determine who gets the biggest slice of pizza, but ultimately you don't really care, and you're not going to pull out your scale to figure it out. You're just trying to, it's an efficient way of of divvying up the uh, the portions. So if you're with your family, you're allowed to use uh, you're allowed to use a lottery. If you're not with your family, you're not allowed to. However, this is all true um, on Shabbos during the week. One is allowed to make a lottery, but that is only only in a way only um, if you have the following you follow the following protocol. If everyone's going to basically end up with virtually the same size but if you make the lottery because you have you have a really bad pizza cutter i don't know if it ever happens to you these people should not be pizza cutters and there's like one gigantic slice and there's one slice that's really tiny it kind of messes up your uh, your pie your your eighth proportions well if the point of the lottery is to, to figure out one person gets pretty much nothing and someone else gets a lot, that in fact is not allowed during the week, and that's because of Mishum Kuvya. That resembles gambling, meaning to say that everyone pays for this, pay, pay, chips in to buy this pie of pizza, which nowadays costs more money than my car, and you assume when you do that, you're all going to get pretty much an equal amount. Okay, you know that someone might get a little bigger, someone get a little smaller, but you have no intention of getting a tiny sliver because that's just the way that the, the lottery falls out. So we, what's called here is in a smachta. And a smachta is that when you, when you gamble, no, the assumption is, again, this is one side in the Gemara, there's, mo, there's multiple, uh, there's a chlokus in the Gemara, it's hedging about this, but the assumption is that when people enter into some sort of gambling situation, they really think they're going to win because if they thought they were going to lose, they never would hedge their bets, they never would put their money down on the table so because they think they're going to win when they lose they're not happy and they're not willing to really give their money up yes they have no choice but they're not really willing and therefore we say it's called a smachta lo tanya meaning to say a monetary commitment made without expecting to be fulfilled is not kanya it doesn't the kenyan doesn't go through the acquisition doesn't go through and therefore the person who takes away the item the person who wins is stealing from the person who put down the money again because 
when you make a monetary commitment, but with the but you expected it to be fulfilled. So in the event that's not fulfilled, so you're not willing to really relinquish your money. So yes, the person could take the money because it's on the table, but you didn't do it. You didn't give it full heartedly, and therefore it's a form of stealing. And this is one of the prohibitions of gambling, or one of the reasons to prohibit gambling. If you assume a smachta lokanya that any of the people engaged in gambling, they really think they're going to win. Otherwise, they would never enter into the gambling. They never would enter into the casino. So. Because of this, gambling is prohibited. One of the reasons why it's prohibited, not everyone agrees to this. There are some who will argue, no. I know I might lose. I know very well, especially if I'm playing a game like slots where it's you know, I have no control over it other than pulling a lever. And the reason I'm doing it is because it's fun. It's fun. Yes, I know I lose. We all know that we all know the statistics. And therefore, one can argue that a smart in that case would be Kanye. That even though I know I'm going to lose, I'm still willing to engage in this, you know, throw my money away, essentially. That's, you know, it's the price I'm paying for my entertainment. Some people pay to go to the movies. I'm paying for this. And therefore, not that gambling's okay. There's still going to be other prohibitions with gambling, including what the Raman points out. You're not doing anything, basically, like Amar, you're not doing anything to help the world. It's totally, you're throwing money away and treating money very carelessly and loosely. However, the point that we're trying to drive at is that gambling at the table, as in everyone you, you, doing a lottery to divvy up who, who gets what, which portion, and someone really is going to get very small and someone else is going to get very big, that resembles gambling, and therefore it's not permitted during the week for whatever reason you want to give because it's – well, we'll just leave it because it's gambling. However, the one case when non-family members are allowed to actually gamble on Yomtov is Matlin Chalishim al Hamonos, and that is as follows – that Kohanim, that when they had to divvy up and they had to divide who got which carbonos, then they would do a lottery, and they're allowed to do so on Yom Tov, but they're not allowed to do so with meat that could have been done before Yom Tov, because then they could have done it on the previous day, and they shouldn't have waited for Yom Tov itself. I wish you all a wonderful day.